joining me this week is Dr. Arturo Luiza Bonilla, our Chief Medical Officer and Practicing Oncologist. We work with Massive Bio, a concierge clinical trial enrollment service where we connect patients to clinical trials. We're here to discuss cancer and any questions you want to know. We know there are always lots of questions surrounding genomic testing, so for this week, we'll be discussing how genomic testing uh, is used for cancer, and based on uh, community input, we've created a Q&A. If you have any genomic testing questions that come up, please write them in the chat and we'll make sure to take time to answer them as we go. Before we begin, Dr. Bonilla, can you tell us a bit more about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much, Amanda, for having me today. Um, so I'm a practicing oncologist, uh, raised in Colombia, came to United States, wanted to do research, and I became passionate about oncology because of a family member who uh, actually had cancer and um, started to look into biomarkers and ways to improve the access to patients to clinical trials, looking at testing as a way to do that. Um, the way of the future these days is by looking at the genetic makeup of the cancer itself and try to match the patients to the best options, including clinical trials, use, use technology, et cetera. So uh, I've been around uh, seeing patients uh, over a decade now. Um, and my main focus is GI malignancies, but anything related to precision oncology or focusing on genomic markers is my, my passion. So thank you so much for having me, and hopefully we can answer some good questions for from the audience. And we're really excited to have you here. I know I think the very first question is, can you explain in a bit more detail just what a biomarker is? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let me just see if I can share my screen for a minute because um, I, I knew I was prepared somewhat for this. So um, let me just do this. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, when we talk about biomarkers, um, we are focusing on, uh, you know, cancer specifically. We know is a very um, relevant disease that is the leading cause of their worldwide, and we need to find options for patients. So uh, in the past, we use, uh, you know, standard approaches for all patients. So before personalized medicine, the same location and stage of a cancer required uh, the same treatment, right? So we didn't change anything. We say it was coming from the breast or the lung. We treated the same way, regardless of uh, of any other characteristic of the tumor, uh, at least in big picture. But as we started to decode the uh, DNA and the proteins that are involved in you know in cancer and in other normal processes and normal processes, then we started to look at those biomarkers. So first, just to set the stage. Uh, so what are genes, uh, or proteins? So genes is basically the, the book that the DNA, uh, uh, contains. So basically the DNA is the book and you open the book and it has genes. Those genes had coded messages that tell the cells how to behave. So you want a recipe for, you know, a cake, you know, open the book on page number 23 and you have it, the, the recipe there. So those are the, and that's the, basically the, the information that you proteins, uh, carry out the messages from the gene. There's an intermediate called RNA, which is becoming very relevant because of the, uh, you know, the vaccines and all that, uh, basically the RNA gets the translation of the book and then the proteins are the final product of that. When cancer develops, because there's a genetic mutation that gives you a typo, a problem on the book, and that, uh, leads to um, a cake tasting, salting, style sweet, or, or a, a problem that, you know, of course this is analogy, but. Uh, that's how cancer develops, right? The cell is not having the right uh, uh, manual to perform its functions. So what is a biomarker? A biomarker is a molecule 
that you find in blood, other bodily uh, fluids or tissues, and it's a sign of a normal or a normal process. So you can have normal biomarkers, right? So, uh, so the the things like, for example, uh, checking uh, a molecule in blood, for example, cholesterol, and being normal, that is, uh, you know, a normal process. Something you find is when that number goes uh, in a different uh, direction that you start looking into it in a much more specific way. Uh, so biomarker test results can help match patients to a cancer treatment if we find them. Uh, for example, we find an uh, abnormalities in the DNA um, in the bloodstream. Um, and that basically leads to the concept of precision oncology, which is basically uh, every single uh, cancer has different proteins and different gene mutations. And if we can target what is driving the cancer growth, uh, then we can potentially use that biomarker to attack the cancer itself. So with that, I'll, I'll just uh, hold it for now, but that, that that's kind of like introduction of biomarkers. So we actually, before we move on to our next question, we have a community question asking how can a cancer patient get genomic testing? Okay, so genomic testing is um, one of the multiple ways to uh, look at the cancer biomarkers. So let me see if I have a slide here that I can actually show you some of this. Okay, so there are different biomarker technologies. One is the typical ones, which is called immunohistochemistry, which is using basically stains that you use like inks that you put on the tissue itself that is cut in and fixed on paraffin. And you're looking under the microscope with different, you know, biomarker uh, staining tools, and it shows you things that are there uh, in a higher or lower expression. The other one is called FISH. So FISH is a biomarker technique used to detect a single gene DNA alteration. So in this case here, we can see uh, that different genes are marked with different colors in the, in the fluorescent light. And you can see when things are fused or changed because of the change in color and, and, and configuration on these cells. When you talk about next generation sequencing, that's what we call comprehensive genomic testing. It's basically looking at, instead of looking at a single gene or a small panel, we're looking at the whole uh, area of interest in the book. It could be uh, what we call a whole exome sequencing, basically looking at the, all the readable parts of the book, go through all the pages and look for the typos to see what's going on with the recipe. Or we can do hot spots where we go and say, okay, I want to know everything that is related to, you know, uh, the ingredients of the cake. So in page 10, I know there's one uh, ingredient that is involved in the cake. And then in page 25, there's another one. Let's look for typos in those different pages about different genes. And the, the bigger the number of genes that are involved, the, the more comprehensive the panel becomes. So it's basically looking at comprehensive genome profile by doing that. And that's how you get it done. The way that could be done is typically by looking at a piece of the cancer, looking at the DNA uh, structure that is there, like if there's enough DNA uh, in those samples, it gets sent out for the testing and we do uh, that process. So uh, what is uh, what we call it next generation sequencing? Uh, so what is new about it? Uh, so this is a, uh, uh, something from Jen Morris said that I borrowed. Uh, basically, there's two ways, for example, to do uh, this comprehensive genomic testing. One of them is uh, looking at changes on the, you know, the DNA is comprised of different letters that are basically uh, base pairs, and they have different pH. Uh, they're more basic or more acidic. Basically, they, they have a different pH, 
that a machine can detect based on those changes, you can really tell what are the base pairs that you're reading. So you can see the signal for, you know, different uh, things happening there. Uh, and the other way to do it is based on tagging, which is when a base is added, a fluorescent signal is detected. And that's another way to detect uh, the, those genes, specifically those mutations in different uh, places based on on tags that you are on into the PCR process. So um, so that's how you do it. There's other way to do it, which is doing it in the tissue itself, as I mentioned, or you can do it in the blood. And that's called a liquid biopsy. So a liquid biopsy, it's basically looking for those tiny pieces of DNA that are released in the bloodstream by normal processes as the cancer cell is dying and, and, and releasing those you know, DNA that was inside of them, you can tag in the bloodstream uh, those mutations as well and find uh, in through a test, like a blood sample, those mutations as well, um, almost as the same at the same level as doing a tissue-based biopsy, um, at least for the genomics comp like component. Like you're looking for genes, then you can do it for protein expression and others, you may need the tissue. Uh, but for what we call comprehensive DNA panel, we can right now use liquid biopsies and we can use tissue biopsies. So both of them are available for, uh, for our patients. And we just have, you just have to talk to your doctor uh, because it, it's uh, something that is currently reimbursable for most patients and it's available uh, and it can help you find clinical trials and uh, optimize hopefully your care. If you have a biomarker, you may get a uh, benefit from us with different drug that is tailored to your cancer. Thank you. Um, when would you, what are the benefits of using like a liquid biopsy versus a tissue biopsy in the different types? Right. So um, I think in in the term in terms of uh, liquid biopsies, the the uh, potential benefits that are being uh, described are first the turnaround time. So you can get the liquid biopsy results sometimes in a week. So let's say you see you see me in clinic. I get, uh, you know, discussed with you as like, well, you come in for a second opinion, your tissue is still, you know, 25 miles away or, or more in another practice or another laboratory. Instead of me requesting it, getting the sample, uh, getting to see me and can send that test out for tissue or even order a new biopsy, which is, you know, time consuming. Now you simply draw the blood at the same time in the office and then send it out. So it's quicker. You get all uh, the same amount of information, typically that uh, the typical comprehensive genomic panel testing, uh, and um, you can also uh, find kind of like the heterogeneity. You know, cancers, uh, even sometimes they have different areas, uh, even between the same tumor or across the, the you know when the cancer is advanced. Uh, sometimes there's what we call clonal or and subclonal mutations. Basically, not all cells in the cancer are equal. So they may have a different uh, clone, and that means that you, you may not be representative of a single biopsy. You do a, a put a needle in a place. That gives you a pretty decent idea of the cancer itself. And then we want this like a very good testing. But also the blood uh, liquid biopsy assay can give you uh, maybe some subclonal populations that were not detected because it's telling you the whole story of the whole body, right? As long as there's enough DNA for the tumor in the blood uh, shedding that you can actually capture. Uh, along those lines, are there uh, certain biomarkers that are commonly seen across cancer types? Yes. So let me just see if there's anything here. So um, interestingly enough, over the past five years, we had so many new indications for every single kind of cancer that, you know, our minds are blown. Like we need help. 
uh, to really even keep up with all these things with all the new biomarkers, the new drugs coming, the 700 new molecules coming as well in the pipeline. But just to give you an example, this is not cellular cancer. And just look across how many biomarkers are present that can be driving the cancer itself, right? So this is on the, the, the TCGA data. Uh, so 75% of wrong adenocarcinoma drivers are known. It, that means that we can target them with different drugs. Uh, now we have eight FDA-approved drugs for lung cancer, for example, um, that are targetable, including a new one called KRAS digital C, uh, which was undruggable until recently. Now we have opportunities for that. So that uh, what we learn is that there are sometimes ways to attack the cancers in a tumor agnostic fashion. That means that instead of looking at tumor itself uh, in terms of location, sometimes when they share similar genomic uh, or pro protein-based characteristics, we can target those tumors in the same fashion regardless of the origin, right? So um, this is just a list uh, that is not comprehensive, but is pretty robust telling you what are the most common actionable, um, you know, biomarkers, either by next generation sequencing or immunohistochemistry across the board. You can see this tall, long breast, cholangiocarcinoma, prostate, pancreas, gastric. So it covers pretty much the, the vast majority of cancers, not even including the hematological, which is also another story. Um, but there's a number of genes that you can start seeing that are commonly shared across different tumor types. If um, we find those biomarkers present in next generation sequencing, we can potentially help patients to be enrolled in either clinical trials, uh, or we can uh, give a patient a drug that is already FDA approved for the indication. Um, so really uh, helpful to get genomic testing because it's really going to help you to find the best option for your care. And that's exactly what I want for every one of my patients. Uh, you know, I work at Cancer Treatment Center of America. We're very proud of being the uh, very prolific on doing genomic testing and helping our patients. Uh, so uh, once again, I think that's something that we should recommend in all of our advanced patients just to find those options because if you if you have those biomarkers, you're really going to uh, probably help the patient in a much more efficient way. So I think I'm going to know your answer, um, but based on what we just talked about, would you say that any patient who's been diagnosed with cancer should get genomic testing as a best practice? Uh, yes, but, uh, but but with a nuance, I would say genomic testing for therapeutic purposes uh, should always uh, be for every advanced patient, basically a cancer that has gone beyond the set of origin, that it has gone elsewhere. Absolutely, 100%, all my patients should be tested for that. There's other opportunities for doing genomic testing uh, so there's just to make a differentiation, there's genetic testing and genomic testing. What we call genomic testing is basically testing the tumor for alterations, right? Which is what we we're just talking about. There's also genetic testing, which means that you talk to a genetic counselor and you check for potential um, uh, genetic abnormalities in your body that you were born with, right? So that's the genetic component of that. Also recommended for a number of tumor types because it can help you to guide treatment and help to guide your family uh, as well as they, if they can have any other family members with cancer. Uh, but the, the sure answer to this is that yes, any advanced cancer patient should have benefit of getting genomic testing at least once. If you are on targeted drug uh, that targets specific mutation that you were uh, you know, being treated for, for example, lung cancer, you have an AGFR mutation and you take uh, a drug for that, 
uh, that is controlling your cancer and then you have progression of disease, then he's warranted to potentially do another biopsy or liquid biopsy because uh, those who are being treated with fire targeted drugs can develop new mutations or have uh, passenger mutations taken over and it makes sense to repeat it because that's what we call as clonal evolution. So not all cancer types are like that. So talk to your doctor, but at least once you should have that, right? So it's something that is a call to action because we don't see that enough, even in diseases such as lung cancer that are very well known to have so many biomarkers that is absolutely cost-effective uh, to get denied testing done for those patients and not testing as a whole. So uh, so that's the that's the message. Thank you. Uh, I was going to ask about the difference between those two, so it's very helpful to explain. Um, what are targeted therapies? I know you talked again about them a little bit, but would you be able to elaborate um, on sort of how they work and how genomic testing helps that further? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there, you know, there's been an evolution of systemic cancer therapy. So we use um, very often what we call a chemo or cytotoxic chemotherapy, which are agents aiming to destroy cancer or rapidly dividing cells that uh, are, um, you know, these drugs are interfering with the cell division. So when the cell is divided into two, you know, these medications intersperse between DNA spindle and, and basically messes up the whole process of the cell division and the cells die. Uh, sometimes it also affects fast-growing cells, such as the hair cells or uh, the, the bone marrow cells. So that's why you see anemia and decreased blood counts in patients who receive chemo. Uh, and also you see hair loss in those patients. Eventually, all these are transient, right? It goes away when you stop the chemotherapy. But that's a reason for you to realize how these medications work. And there's so many of them. Uh, we use them in combination. And if each one of them has a different uh, uh, you know, point in the cell division or the cell cycle where they act against. Uh, so that's what we combine them in, in many cases. Uh, there's targeted therapies now, which are basically small molecules that are uh, a refined product of understanding the biology of the cancer. So they are aimed to interfere with specific ce uh, cell pathways that are necessary for growth of the cancer and spread the block the, that they block in genes or proteins. So, uh, for example, uh, you know, a very clear uh, example of this is as I say for as uh, you know breast cancer having endocrine uh, you know markers. We're doing targeted therapy for those patients because we're not giving typical chemo initially. If the cancer is driven by estrogen or progesterone, we use uh, you know anti-estrogen drugs or endocrine therapy, and that is targeted drug, right? We're targeting only the pathway that the cancer is driving upon. Um, but we have learned even further and learning how to block, you know, cell signaling pathways that are altered by the mutation. So as we were mentioning those mutations, um, uh, for example, an EGFR mutation in cancer or an FGFR uh, fusion in breast or NTRAC fusion in other tumor types, they, what they do is that they, uh, they basically get the cell into autopilot to grow up, like basically giving all the time fuel to the fire, there's no control. So the cells grow, you know, exponentially and they don't stop. If you know what is the specific key to that keyhole that turns off the cell from growing uh, and kind of normalizes the process because that's the only thing that is acting up, then it's uh, you're, you make successful targeted therapy. So that's the rationale for this. Typically those pills are taken with taking my mouth. For many of them, there's more molecules that finish in NIV, like, you know, serafinib, trametinib, Everything that is IB, like it means, you know, 
uh, inhibitory molecule, basically. So all those drugs are aimed to do that. The sort of targeted drugs, which are uh, also um, um, immunotherapy combination kind of a thing. So they're monoclonal antibodies that are targeting against uh, the specific um, biomarker in the surface, like trastuzumab for uh, breast cancer is an example of that that expresses HER2, basically goes against the surface and kills that uh, cancer in that area. Immunotherapy is the other modality. It, it's uh, it's uh, the the most newer um, uh, of the, of the uh, treatment options that we have, but it's been in studies for many years. It's basically aimed to boost the body's natural defenses to find and destroy cancer cells. So uh, typically cancer cells are smart, right? So they say, you know, don't kill me. I'm legitimate. I live here. I'm part of you, you know, but actually they're, they're, they're not good. They're a spy trying to kill everything, but they're smart about it. They don't want to be killed. So they express molecules on the surface or they stop the immune system to acting, basically calling the police, you know, don't, don't kill me, go elsewhere. And uh, the idea here is to awaken the immune system or train the immune system so we can recognize those cancer cells as foreign uh, or as malignant and then eradicate them as normally will happen. So, uh, so those are all the kinds of treatment options that we can do. And now this, uh, there's a combination of them all based on biomarkers, mechanism of action. So the field is very rich right now in combinations. Thank you. And for our final question, how do clinical trials relate to genomic testing? Right. So, um, you know, clinical trials, as I mentioned, they are based on new things that are happening in the space. So just to give you an example, I mean, real quick, uh, you know, there's some evidence that survival could be longer if you actually match patients based on biomarker studies, right? So more data is to follow on this. But just to give you an, an example of an exceptional responder to someone that I treated seven years ago, uh, he was a patient who uh, had a tumor that is called cholangiocarcinoma, which is a rare tumor, but they tend to have uh, different mutations in uh, low frequency, but, one, but, but in multiple of them. So they have... BRF mutations, they have IDH mutations, they have FGFR mutations. So all of them could be targeted uh, with, with new drugs. At that time, we had this drug that it was targeting BRF, but it was used only in melanoma. And we actually uh, gave the patient uh, uh, through an assistance program, basically a compassionate use program, a uh, combination of, uh, of the treatment that it was for melanoma and basically had almost an immediate response. And that led to a clinical trial that now has been published showing the same efficacy data that we found in a single patient, right? So the studies are helping other patients and yourself to get access to these drugs in an earlier way. So there's a lot of different phase studies. Uh, there's phase one, two, three clinical trials. There's CAR T cell trials, for example, where they target, uh, uh, the where they, they extract your cells, train them, and uh, against the cancer itself, and then infuse them back again uh, after that the, they're being uh, grown. They have modified the, the CAR uh, T cells to make them very advanced as well. There's the new generations coming, and those are all under clinical trials. This CRISPR has gene editing that was a subject of a Nobel Prize uh, not, not too long ago, and now there's trials looking for that, doing changes uh, on. Uh, uh, specific uh, cells to, uh, you know, um, either train your immune system to attack the cancer more efficiently or to modify disease. Uh, so uh, all these have been uh, leading to advances in information that we've been doing. So in pharmaceuticals, medtech, 
AI, which uh, Massive Bio uses to match faces to studies, real world data, consumer health. Uh, and that's why Massive Bio was created. Not, it was created to use uh, artificial intelligence to help patients uh, translate the genomic testing results. And there's all these different tests uh, available, but we need to scale it up, use technology for that. And that's what we're good at. So this is just a review reports where you can see regarding the 60 and foundation, all of them pretty comprehensive. We need to help patients navigate this and we use it with um, deep learning uh, technologies, basically. So uh, the idea here is to find a patient that's the right patient at the right trial, the right location, the right time, and, uh, and use technology for that. So genomic testing can lead to a couple of opportunities for trials. One is an umbrella trial, which is basically testing the impact of different drugs in a single type of cancer. So for example, lung cancer with seven different biomarkers, you have seven different drugs, but only for lung cancer. That's an umbrella trial. There's the basket trial where they test the effect of, of drugs on a single mutation in different tumor types. So it doesn't matter where the cancer came from, as long as the, the, the cancer has that mutation, you can use the drug. So that's the taper, the NSA match study, and um, um, the uh, my Agway, um, uh, tapestry trials, uh, all those are uh, basically large basket trials. This is an example of the NCI match where patients get genetic sequencing or genomic testing. They find the actual mutation, they put the patient on the drug. If the patient response continues and if progression, you test again. And if the patient matches to one of the new uh, uh, arms, then you continue on treatment. So really amazing how we are using the genomic testing and clinical trials to help patients to match to, to uh, different options. This is just as for taper, for example, uh, this is data, uh, actually this is from quite a while now, 2014, but the idea is looking at all of the different genes that are present uh, in alterations and try to find at least one possible genetic alteration that we can target. Uh, so that's the way of the future. And at uh, CTCA, uh, we had been using ASCO taper uh, and one more patients with that clinical trial. Uh, uh, and we also have tapestry now, so um, where we can find patients based on genomic alterations and, and try to see if we can help them to get access to those drugs earlier 